have prayed today. I hope you have prayed today. And so let's continue where we left off last week. Well, last week we started talking about that it's all in the word. We talked about how our faith in the word of God is designed to bring us success. Uh, and I'm not going to go rehash all of that. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to it, it'll be available on the podcast. But I want to pick up with uh, the six simple truths that every believer should know. Six simple truths that every believer should know. And last week we got to truth number one and two. So I briefly go over those and then we'll pick up with uh, three through six. Number one, the simple truth believers should know is that if you don't give now, you'll never give. And we talked about, and I'm not going to go to all the scriptures, but pretty much it's like this. If you don't give when God tells you to give, then you're going to talk yourself out of giving. The Bible says in Ecclesiastics, he who observes the wind and waits for all the conditions to be favorable will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. So when God asks you to sow, then don't consider your light bill. Don't consider all these things. Don't consider what you want to do with this and what you want to do with that. You have to give when God has directed you to give so that you may harvest. Because a seed that doesn't get planted isn't a seed that will grow up and bring forth fruit. All right. So if you don't give now, you will never give. And a lot of times we like, well, if I had more money, I give. You're lying. Because if you don't give based off what you have now, having more, you're not going to give later. So you got to make it, make a purpose, make it a purposeful intent to give quickly when God asks you to give. All right. Why? Because if you want harvest, how do you get harvest? You got to sow a seed, right? Number two, was things are never, it's never too tight to give. Go ahead and type that. Say things are never too tight to give. That's never too tight to give, right? The enemy always tries to convince us that we cannot afford to give. He, that, he's going to always convince you of that. This is the way that he takes advantage of you because the enemy knows that if I can get Ralph to think that he can't afford to give, if I can think, give Ralph to think, that uh, giving is not important, then I can get him not to participate in God's seed time and harvest, then I can get him not to be able to establish the kingdom, right? I can get him not to be able to bless humanity. Why? Because I won't have anything coming into me because God has promised to give bread to the person that sows. So if he can get us not to sow, then he can get us to the point where we're totally relying on ourselves, And that's not the place that we want to be. Uh, and then we last week we talked about debt, fear, worry, and doubt. And I won't go over that because we're going to go over that a little bit more later. So those are the two things that we talked about last week. And this is what I want you to know, that nowhere in Scripture does God tell people not to give when things are bad. So if you ever hear that voice like, oh, uh, things are too tight to give, that's not God. That's not God. God has never told people not to give based off the economy. The widow woman, uh, she gave even when it was her last cake in the middle of a drought when they was uh, when. Gosh, I went blank on the person. But when they built the altar and, and they were in the middle of a drought and he brought barrels of water to pour on the altar. I mean, that he that was in the middle of a drought. 
So God isn't concerned about the economy that goes on in earth. When he's asking you to sow a seed, it is based off what the harvest that he is trying to get you. So nowhere in scripture does God tell people not to give when things are bad. So it doesn't matter what the economy looks like, the stock market looks like. It doesn't matter what the economy of your bank account looks like. God is going to ask you for seed because he is wanting to get you harvest. So, so please understand that. All right. So let's get into the new stuff for tonight. Number three, confessing that you cannot sow or you don't have anything to sow is an indication that you doubt God and have failed to apply his word. Now, Ralph, why are we even talking about giving? Why are we even talking about this? Because in this year, he told, this is a year release. This is year. He told us to hold on, right? He told us that the small things that we need to observe those things to be obedient, because in a year release, we're both going to be releasing things, but things are going to be released to us. And so, when we're sowing those seeds, we're communicating back to God that we believe that we, He's going to do the things that He said he's go, He was going to do. In the old covenant, when God made a promise to Abraham, Abraham. The first thing he need to do, he's like, let me get a seed in the ground. Why? Because he wanted to ensure and, and to communicate to God that he was in agreement with that. And so we're sowing seeds now because we're expecting things to be released to us. We're sowing seeds now because we understand that the seed that we're sowing now will set up our future seven and 10 years from now. Because I'm always sowing, I have the ability to always reap. And but if the enemy can get us distracted and we say that we cannot sow or have nothing to sow, then that's when we doubt God's word. So even when it looks like you have nothing to give in the physical, just don't say it. Why? Pastor Evan told us earlier that we must do what? Tame our tongue. Why? Because what we don't understand is that our tongue and our words have power. In Psalms 103 and 20, it says the angels respond to the word of God. So even when you don't see it physically, we got to, and when we don't feel like it, you must continue to confess and believe the word of God. It's been times, I remember when I was living in Carson Terrace, me and April at the U of A, and, uh, and it was times when we felt like we didn't have anything to give, but we never said that we don't have anything to give. I mean, you always have something to give. You're like, God, what can I sow today? And sometimes it's time, sometimes it's uh, relationships, it's words of wisdom. Heck, I remember one time we sold our wedding rings. We sold anything that we can get our hands on. Why? Because we were we understood the necessity to sow. And so if the enemy can get you to say that, hey, I don't have anything to sow, what he is getting you to say is that, hey, God isn't going to supply my need. He, he's getting you to disconnect from the word of God. Why? Because what we got to understand is that something is always working on our behalf. Our angels are always at work trying to bring us things. But when we say that we don't have anything, then we have what we say. So we can't we can't do that. In Deuteronomy 8, it states that, but remember the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you the ability. So how do I know that I'm always going to have something to sow? Because God gives me the ability to produce wealth. Here's the thing with ability, right? Ability is potential. So God is giving you the potential to get wealth. He is giving you the potential to get abundance. He is giving you the potential to experience prosperity. But the thing with ability is this, if you don't walk it out, then you don't get to see the harvest thereof. If the woman hadn't given the man of God that oil, I mean, that bread, 
bread, then she wouldn't have been sustained. If the woman whose husband had died, she didn't listen to the uh, the man of God and go get the oil, the uh, containers from her neighbors, and to keep pouring that oil, she wouldn't have had enough money to become debt free and live off the rest. So what we got to understand is that God has given us an ability to get to produce wealth, and with that ability means that we got to do some work. Those are the obedient things that we have to do, and so. With that, I don't ever say that I don't have it because God has produced inside of me an innate ability to produce wealth. And then the rest of that verse says, and so confirms his covenant. Why did he give me this ability? He gave me this ability to do what? Same thing Pastor Evan been teaching, to establish his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as it is today. So God has given you the ability to get wealth, not to just prosper you, but he's establishing his covenant. He is promoting his kingdom and he wants you wealthy to bless others through you. So that's the purpose of it. But when I open my mouth and I say that I don't have anything to sow, when I open my mouth and I say that I don't have anything to give and I don't have the ability to do it, I'm doing a few things. I am doubting God and then I'm using my word to denounce the kingdom and all that he has. And I'm throwing down the fact that I have inside of me an ability to produce wealth. But instead of agreeing with the word of God, I am now agreeing with what I see in my bank account. I am now agreeing with what I see in the natural, which is I may in the natural, it may look like I don't have a lot, but I never say what I see. I only say what the word has said. I don't say what I see. Even if I had a million dollars, that looks like an abundance. But baby, you got to always realize that there is a problem out there that costs 1.5 million, right? Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world, but there's a problem out there. We may not know it, but that, that could cost him everything that he has. You can't be reliant upon the wealth that you have in your bank account. Your source of provision, no matter what your bank account say, must always be the father, must always be kingdom must always be God. In 2 Corinthians 9 verses 7 through 8, it says this in the Amplified. It says, let each one give as he was has made up in his own mind, as he has purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion for God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above all things and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. So this is why also I must always give because here's the thing. God takes pleasure in those who give. God's going to make sure that those who give uh, have been taken care of because in verse eight, look what he does. He makes all grace come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient which means possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and terrible donation. So if the enemy can get you to confess out your mouth, I can't afford to give. If he can get you to doubt God and not give, then you will miss out on all grace. You will miss out on the ability to produce wealth. Why? Because you will not be looking at God. That's why we got to tame our team. We got to tame my tongue. We got to tame my te temperament, right? We got to tame all those things because they're, and we got to tame our thoughts. So even though thoughts come that may be contradictory to the word, I speak the word to dig those things up because I cannot afford not to give. I have to be a giver.
Why? Because I want all grace. You want all grace. It says all grace, every favor and every blessing. So God, right now, I thank you. There's a tither and a giver that I have every favor and every blessing come to my life in abundance on a daily basis. I thank you that I always have an abundance under every circumstance. So that means even if I get laid off, I have an abundance under every, every, every circumstance. Even if the economy is down, I have all I need in abundance. Why? Because that's what the word says. I don't live by what I see in the natural. I live by what the word says. That's why I says the title of the message. It is all in the word. Everything that I ever will need is found in the word of God. And we talked about whether that's his written word or his spoken word. God is always going to see us through. So the Lord will give you ideas on how to earn money. He will make sure you have seed. Why? In 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, it says, in God who provides what? Seed for the sower. So if you ain't out there sowing, you don't need seed. I'll say that again. If you're not out there sowing, you don't need seed. It says, and God who provides seed for the sower and bread for the eating will always provide and multiply. Now, will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing. So here's the thing. Why is it important to give? Why is it important to do this? Because as I give, he is going to continually to multiply my resources for sowing and increase the fruits of my righteousness, which manifests itself in acts of goodness, kindness, and charity. So, so here, here's the thing. If the enemy can get you to think that you can't afford to give, if he can get you to think that things are too tight to give, he can get you to doubt that your ability to give, then what he can get you to do is not have seed because a, a, a person that doesn't sow doesn't need seed, right? But here's the bigger part of that. If you don't sow, then God can't multiply resources for sowing. So every time I sow, I give God an opportunity to multiply so that I may have bread for eating will also provide and multiply my resources for sowing. I want you to see that and we'll, 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 we'll bring all this together in a moment. But he says he will increase the fruits. He will provide seed for the sowing, bread for the eating, also provide and multiply your resources for what? It's not for buying houses, not for buying cars, not for any of that. Now, all of those things will be byproducts because as a good father, he's going to allow you as a steward to do things for yourself. But the purpose of this is so that he can do what? Establish his kingdom. So covenant. So he can do what? Promote his kingdom. So what? Mankind can be blessed through you. Why? Because he's going to multiply resources for sowing and increase the fruit increase the fruit of your righteousness like i said if you're not sowing you don't need seed you can't be afraid to sow what god desires for you to sow so and here's the thing your seed will grow up i remember being in college uh and i remember when five dollars was a sacrifice that was really it was a sacrificial seed and, and and I sold it, right? But then $10 was my sacrificial seed, right? And then $100, you know, and it, it, it keeps growing. Why? Because that word is true. He will multiply your resources. And, and, and now you get to the point 
where your seed is so grown that you have you have enough for you, your family, and you can give to many good works, works and charitable donations. And your seed will continue to grow, right? Why? Because we'll get to the point. Uh, let's go ahead and go there. Second Corinthians 9 and 6. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Because you are always planting, because all, all you're doing is trying to obey God in everything you're doing, what's going to happen? Another version says this, the way that you give out, it will be given back to you. So because you're constantly giving, because you're constantly obeying God, then you're constantly able to have a harvest. Not only a harvest, but according to 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, a harvest that is going to be multiplied so that I may have more to sow in the future. But the enemy is so cunning in his in his attempt to get you not to participate because to get you not to participate is to entrap you into poverty is to entrap you into into a limited lifestyle because god never intended for us to live a lifestyle that's limited by what we see in the bank accounts that's limited by what we make on our jobs that's limited by what we that what we see in our 401ks, that was never God's intent for us to be limited by anything. Why? Because his word does not have limit. You can run over there to Psalms 119.96. His word does not have limit because when I participate in seed time and harvest, it has given me the ability to, to override everything in the natural. That's why you can give us a seed of $10 in agreement with what God has said concerning you having a new house. And that $10 seed will put you in that new house. But in the natural, $10 won't even pay your taxes. $10 won't even pay your gas bill. $10 won't even be able to uh, help you put mini blinds on a window in the house. But $10 in the hand of God and obedient seed will set your whole future up. But if God, if the enemy can get you convinced that you can't afford to give, if he can get you to convince that you that you it's too tight to give, if he can get you to doubt God's God in the sense that um, I, I don't, I'm not going to give right now, that he can get you not to participate. If he can get you to think that that $10 won't produce, right? Because you look at $10 in the natural and $10 is not a whole lot. $10 won't even feed feed many people a uh, uh, lunch at a nice place right but if he can get and that's why we don't look at our seed from our natural perspective the seed that we sow in to god in obedience in a response uh, obedience response to god always produces what we need in our life no matter the amount you can have a million dollars but if god told you so 55 dollars it ain't the thousand dollar seed is going to bring you blessing. It's the $55 seed. So find yourself obeying God. Find yourself obeying God. So Galatians, so let's move to point four. Let's move to point four. Point four is this, run from doubt at all costs. We must run from doubt at all costs. One of the enemy's greatest weapons is to create doubt in our minds about the promises of God. One of the enemy's greatest weapons is to create doubt in our minds about the promises of God. Go ahead and type to say, I refuse to doubt God. I refuse to doubt God. 
Mark 11 and 23 says this, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. So Pastor Edwin did such a great teaching. Uh, I think it was a Wednesday night. I think that's when we was in Florida. I'm almost positive because he, he came in on Wednesday night and taught it. But he talked about how debt leads to fear. Fear leads to worry and worry leads to doubt. And fear in itself is an emotion, but doubt is, is the demonstration of that. So when we begin to doubt God, what's happening is that we, we begin to consider another opinion. We become hesitant. We become uncertain about things. And so if you look at that scripture, he says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast in the sea and shall not doubt. In other words, shall not waver, shall not fluctuate in their opinion, shall not hesitate or to be uncertain, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. The problem with so many believers is this, is that we pray prayers of doubt. We're not really in faith. We're, we're really hoping that God would do what he said he would do. We're really, we're really just hoping that we could be debt free. We're really hoping that we can have a new house. We're really hoping that our marriage could be restored. We're really hoping that our kids will uh will be obedient. We're hoping that we'll be healed. We're hoping that we'll have the new job. We're hoping because in the way that you know you're hoping is because you're in your mind, you consider the fact that it, do, it doesn't come to pass. And so you're uncertain. And that's why we don't see the promises of God come to pass because we are uncertain. We doubt, we waver, we fluctuate in opinion. Because when, because the Bible says, you, sh you'll have, you shall believe those things, which he says, and they shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. So the man that comes to God believing always believe, uh, receives. Why? Because it's the man that comes without doubt. It's the man. He doesn't allow fear to cause him to have an emotion that creates this feeling, that creates this thought and causes him to say things. And this is what Pastor Sean talks about as, as the cycle, right? You're going over and over the thinking feeling cycle. You're going over and over again. You like, I love God, and He said He'll give me a new house, but look at my credit score. Now you're feeling sad. And because you're feeling sad, you're like, I can't get a house. And I can't get a house. And then you replicate the process. You got to break that process with the word of God. What did God say is that He'll multiply my seed sown? So, God, I thank you that I sow this seed in abundance to you. What did God say is that He will give me the ability to get well? God, you have given me the ability to get well. Right now, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I know that you said you'll do it. So, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're revealing to me the plans that God has for me and how I should, should create wealth in this earth to reduce the things that God told me that I can have. Why? Wow, I got to run from doubt at all costs. And how do I get rid of doubt? Is I and I dwell in, I uh, encompass myself with the Word of God. All right. I think I said it already, but fear is an emotion. Doubt is a demonstration of that fear. Doubt is the absence. And here's the thing that you got to know about doubt. Doubt is absent in the presence of only one option. Doubt is absent. Let me give you an example, all right? Have any of you guys ever taken a multiple choice test? And I know we all have. 
And when you had that multiple choice test, that says a 50 question test, and we're used to multiple choice, we're used to A, B, C, and D, right? And when you go to choose an answer, if you don't know the, the answer to the question, you got a 25% chance of getting it. There's some doubt there. Wow, why is there doubt? There's multiple options. There's multiple opinions. There's multiple answers, right? So, but doubt is never present when there's only one option. What do I mean? Imagine a multiple choice test, but on every question, there's only one answer. What's the square root of 144? It has answer A, 12. All right. None of y'all will be afraid to do take a math test like that. What what is what is the number that's approximately equivalent to pi? Answer A, approximately 3.14, right? You're not afraid of that. There's no doubt there. There's no uncertainty there. Why? Because there's only one option. And when God becomes your only one option, when you begin to live a life, when you take the test, when you take the test of life, and God is your only option, and you don't consider anything else, you remove all uncertainty because there's only one choice in any situation. God is my only option. He's my only option. And sometimes, and here's the thing that has gotten a lot of people, is that you have things that you can accomplish on your own. And instead of running to God, you just take care of yourself. You need new tires on your car. You got the $1,200 that's needed to get the car. But you never just stop to ask God, how do you want to get me these tires, God? Why? Because you get so big in yourself that you begin to rely on yourself. And in that little leaven, leavens the whole lump. And everything that we need, we do, God must be our option. God, I know I got the money to buy these tires. Where do you want me to buy them from? Do you want me to use money in my account? Are you going to bless me with the money? What are we doing, God? Why? Because our dependency must always be on God. And we must always be listening to Holy Spirit so that he can guide us. And see, let me give you this example, because this example will make sense to you uh, as well when we're talking about doubt. There's a fire in a building, right? You're on the first floor of that building. The fire is coming up the hall. And there's a door or window because you're in the room. What do you do? You jump out of the room. You don't even hesitate. You know why you don't hesitate? Because in your natural, you don't see a problem with jumping from the first floor. Now you're on the second floor. The fire is coming down the hall. The fire has made it to your room. If you stay in the room, you'll be burned by the fire. But if you jump, you can live. Some of us will pause. We will consider because we'll begin to doubt based off what we're looking at. But we jump anyway because the fear of being burned to death isn't is greater than the fear of jumping. And for a lot of us, that's how we deal with God. If it's a situation that we see ourselves on the first floor, we jump out that window and we follow God. But if we're on the 10th floor, we like, okay, I may just go ahead and get burned up because I don't trust that I can jump. But here's the thing, God always will catch you. But because in your natural eyes, you see yourself being approximately a, 
a, a hundred feet off the ground, you think you're going to die. And is that uncertainty, is that that's unwavering, is that fluctuating of opinion that causes us to not be able to inherit the promises of God because we never came to God believing that we were actually received. We came to God doubting, we came to God uncertain, and then we got the audacity to be offended with God on why we didn't receive what he has for us. Why? Because the more things look crazy in the natural, the less likely you are to jump when God says jump. Think about that. And so how do I get to the point where regardless of what I see in the natural, I always follow God? That's why he tells us to do what? Meditate on the word day and night. He tells us to study, show ourselves approved. He tells us to be renewed in our mind. He tells us, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That isn't for God to just be mean to us. He is trying to get us to the point that our only option is Christ, that our only option is God, and that regardless of what the natural exposes to our senses, that our spirit man is always the one in charge and we follow God regardless of what we see. Because with doubt in our hearts, we're not able to possess what God has promised us. All right, go to James 1 and 7. I'm going to give you the scripture for that. It says, such people, doubters, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So when I doubt, I shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. But what we do, we mentally assent to the point that we think we understand scripture. But in our hearts, we really don't believe that when we're praying, we're going to receive what we have. And because of that, we're not in faith because faith is now. Faith takes possession of it. It has takes possession of it before you ever speak it out of your mouth. So when 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 I begin when I'm in faith, I understand that my faith is now. I possess healing now. I possess new house now. I possess more than enough now. I'm not waiting to receive. You're like I'm I'm waiting to get something. You're already out of faith. Why? Because you don't wait in faith. Faith possesses it now. And so if I'm not in faith, then I'm doubting. Why? Because you're thinking that it takes time. It, it, doesn't, it takes time for the earth to manifest, but it does not take time for you to possess it. I possess those things now in the name of Jesus. And so when I align with that, when I agree with that, I can be advanced to the place that God desires for me to be. Let me read James 1, 5 through 7. It says, if any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the God, giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding, and it will be given him. Verse six, only it must be in faith that he asks with what? No wavering, no doubting, no hesitating. For the one who wavers, who hesitates, who doubts is like the billowing surge out at a sea that is blown hither and thither, thither and tossed by the wind. For truly that no such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. Now, why did God say he, he'll give wisdom to us liberally? Why? Because the Bible tells us, why do people perish? They perish for a lack of knowledge. So he's saying, look, I am going to give you all the wisdom that you need. What's wisdom? The appropriate application of the word of God. As much as you ask for, I'm going to give it to you ungrudgingly, without reproach, without fault finding. So that means even if you got in a situation that you got yourself into, God will still give you the wisdom to navigate out that situation. Why? Because it's without reproach, it's without fault finding, right? He says he'll give that to us. Why? Because anytime there is fear, 
you can almost always find a lack of knowledge. I remember one time uh, I feared stocks and investing. I don't now. Why? Because I spent time learning about it to be able to do it. I remember at one time I'll fear water like my mom, grandma and my mama. Why? Because I had no idea how to navigate in water. But through knowledge, through ability, I have that now. I mean, I remember one time I, I was afraid to get married. I remember sitting uh, with Pastor Edward and I was, I was uh, talking to him about getting married and all these things uh, that I need to get done. And he was like, man, I'll be honest with you. It's never a perfect time to get married. There's always going to be something else to do. Uh, and what fear did, fear made me always think that I was unprepared. But there's no, there's never enough preparation for marriage in, in the essence. But God said yes. And that's what we got to understand is that when God says yes, then that's what you need. Right. So God, give me the knowledge of what I do next. And that's the other thing that we do as Christians. God will tell us that we can have something. And then we never spend enough time with Holy Spirit on asking, how do we possess that? God told you you can have a a house, but did you ask God on how you're going to navigate to get that? So you got to ask those questions, right? Because where there is knowledge, there is there's courage. Where there is knowledge, there is faith. Where there is faith, then there are, there are things that are manifesting. Okay, so that's important. All right. So number five, let's move on to number five. God blesses you so that you can bless humanity. So we're talking about six simple truths that every believer needs to know. All right. Number one, all right, God wants you to establish his covenant. Number two, he wants you to promote his kingdom. But God wants you to bless, wants to bless humanity through you. He wants to bless humanity through you. God wants you blessed, but it isn't for you to hoard and it's not for you to just take care of your family. He wants you loaded so that his kingdom will have to give to everything uh, that needs something, right? So God wants me to have more than enough so that I can bless humanity. He wants me to have more than enough so that I can promote his kingdom. He wants me to have more than enough so that he, that I can see that his, he is going through and being true to his covenant, right? God wants us to know that. And so you got to, you're like, what are you talking about, Ralph? Pastor Evan taught this, like I said, several weeks ago, but in Genesis 12, one through three, it says, now the Lord has said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, uh, and from thy father's house until land that I'll bless, bless you in and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Go ahead and type that. Say, in me, all the families of the earth are blessed. In me, all the families of the earth are blessed. How can you say that? Because if God, the covenant with Abraham was to establish him so that he will have every family of the earth be blessed, then that same covenant is now uh, been upheld on my part. So in me, all the families of the earth are blessed. That's why God wants me prosperous. That's why God has given me the ability to uh, create wealth. That's why God has a purpose and a plan for my life. That's why he wants me to prosper above all things to prosper and be in health, even as my soul, my mind, my will, my imagination, my emotions and my intellect to prosper. Why? Because he wants all the families of the earth to be blessed. And that occurs through me. 
But if the enemy got me doubting God, if the enemy got me withholding my seed, if the enemy got me uh, afraid to uh, obey God, then I can't be and become the thing that I've been designed to do. And God can establish his covenant because I won't partner with him. So blessing others is difficult when you have nothing to give them. Blessing others is difficult when you look at your job as your source, the government as your source, or you rely on anything other than God. So God has called me to be a blessing to others, but that's real hard when I don't think I had nothing to give. That's why we talked about giving in the beginning. Blessing others is really hard when I think my money's too tight. Blessing others is really hard when I'm doubting the God that's asking me to bless this family. And when I withhold my hand, then I'm not able to be in the earth who God has called me to be. And that my seed can't grow, so my harvest can't grow, and I find myself being without. And here are some reasons why you feel like you can't give, because you're looking at your job instead of the kingdom. So you're not you're not looking at God and saying, God, I know you asked me to give them one hundred dollars. You're looking at what you're about to get paid and saying, I can't afford to give one hundred dollars. Your job is not your source. The paycheck is not your source. Once again, God, you asked me to give them one hundred dollars. Where do you want me to give it from, God? How do I give this? And like I said, a lot of us, it's not that we don't have the hundred dollars. We just want to go to the store. We just want to eat out at lunch sometimes. And I'm not saying cut back on things, but I am saying in order to obey God, God obeying God is more important than going to Starbucks. Obeying God is more important than buying a new shirt. Obeying God is more important than going on vacation. Obeying God is more important than buying a new car. Because here, what I want you to say, when you go on vacation, you get back, you're done. We went on vacation. We took us a good trip. We had lots of fun. But guess what? I got a bunch of memories, but that's all I got from that. It's done. But if I would, if God would have said, Raph, don't go on that trip. Raph, sow the seed that you were going to take, take the money you was going to go on that trip and bless this family with it, then that seed would have brought me perpetual harvest. But we kept so many times we say we don't have it because we have already allocated to something. Here's what you got to know. A word from God reallocates your whole budget. Let me. A word from God should reallocate your whole budget. It ain't nothing wrong with having a budget. Budgets are helpful, but a word from God reallocates my whole budget. It reallocates everything. Why? Because once again, God owns everything. I own nothing. Who am I to tell God what I'm going to do with money he's given me? A word from God reallocates my whole budget. Why? Because when I give, he's going to make sure that my seed is multiplied and I have more to give next time. That's what the word says. And so we can't we can't get so caught up and like, well, you know what? I pray for them. You know what? I, 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 I'm, I'm just going to pray for them. Why? Because that ain't what we just been. We are instructed to pray for people, right? But we're instructed to do more than that. Run over to James verses 2, 15 through 16. It says, suppose a brother or sister in Christ comes to you and needs a clothes or something to eat. And you say to them, God, God be with you. I hope you stay warm and get plenty to eat. But you don't give them the things they need. If you don't help them, your words are worthless. You know why? 
because you were created to be a blessing. That's what Genesis told us. He said, Abraham, get away from your family, get away from your kindred, go to the place that I'll show you. I'll make your name great. I'll bless them to bless you. I'll curse them to curse you. And you'll be all the families of the earth to be blessed. Why? Because of Abraham. I was created to be a blessing. I'm just not called to pray for people. And here's the thing. I hear it, Lord. I hear you. You always think somebody's taking advantage of you. Listen, can't nobody take advantage of God. If God told you to sow the seed, if they took the money in front of you, lit it up, pour gas on it and lit it up. That has nothing to do with the harvest that's coming to you. So many of us miss out on harvest because we look at the person God is telling us to bless and we choose to act in disobedience. And so you miss out on things because you look at the person. It doesn't matter if, if God is asking me to give money to 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 mom and dad. They got they have they have they may have more than me, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if God told me to to sow to Jeff Bezos. He's the richest man in the world. That doesn't matter. He could burn the money up, but that has nothing to do with my harvest. And so, so many of us are missing out because we're looking at the receiver of the gift that God has told us to sow the seed instead of just obeying God. So you have to stop that. You got to stop that if you want to harvest. You got to sow the seed wherever God says sow the seed. It doesn't matter if you don't like them. It doesn't matter if they black and you white. It doesn't matter if they Hispanic and and you Asian, none of that matters. You sow seed where God has instructed you to sow seed, whether that's money, whether that's your time. Amen, Pastor Chris. We are king's kids. We have the bag we're supposed to give. God is going to, and see, what is God doing when he's asking you to sow? He, he, he's testing your heart. He wants to see what he can trust you with. Oh, cool. I see Bianca's name. I asked Bianca to give $5 to somebody. I, okay, cool. She did that. I could trust her with that. Hey, Bianca, I need you to give $100 this time. Bianca looked around. Okay, God, I trust you. Oh, cool. All right, Bianca. I could trust Bianca with that. Hey, Bianca, I need you to give $1,500 to, to uh, this person to pay their rent. But God, I don't even know them. Bianca, I need you to give fifteen hundred dollars to this person to pay their rent. But God, I don't even, I don't even like that those those type of people. But Bianca, I need you to give. And God just gonna keep repeating himself. Why? Because He's always giving us an opportunity to increase our harvest. And the question is, can God trust you? And for so many of us, our money doesn't grow because God can't trust you at the level in which He's currently asking you to sow. And, and, and you won't, and in your relationships, let's talk about that real quick. You won't, you won't love, but you ain't willing to sow love. You want forgiveness, but you're not willing to sow forgiveness. You want patience from other people, but you're the most impatient person with other people. So you're expecting something that you're not willing to sow. And that's just simply stupidity. That's crazy. That's insane for you to expect a harvest of something that's not been sown. So, so anyway, let's keep going. So God doesn't prosper us for the direct intent of raising our standard of living, but he prospers us so that we can raise our standard of giving. 
I'll say that again. God doesn't prosper us for the direct intent of raising our standard of living, but he prospers us so that we can raise our standard of giving. God wants us to prosper so that we can raise our standard of giving. The byproduct of that is that, oh God, my, in, my, my standard of living also comes up. But, so, but I understand that everything that I have belongs to God and anytime he asks for it, I'm willing to give it to him. All right. And how do I know this? Genesis 12 and 2, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great. And guess what? You will be a blessing. So, so that's a conjunction there, that word and. I will make your name great and you'll be a blessing. Why? Because what is it about? It's about establishing his covenant, right? It's about promoting his kingdom and it's about blessing humanity through us. So he's going to make you great. He's going to bless you and he's going to do all those things so that we could be a blessing. So there's nothing wrong with having more than enough. Don't, don't ever feel bad about having more than enough. Don't ever, because the other part of that test is learning to say no. Because you can have all the money that a person needs and God may say, don't give to them. And, and that's the test that a lot of people fail too. You, you got, just because you have it doesn't mean you give it. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. I don't care if they're your brother, your cousin, your auntie, your mama, your friend. If God says don't give it, then you don't give it. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you anyway. All right. Now, for some of y'all, y'all ain't hearing no no. That's you saying no to yourself because you just being cheap and you don't want to obey God. But for some of you, you got to pass the test. And part of sometimes that test is not taking your bread and sowing it and then wondering why you don't have enough. Right. Wondering why you, you can't pay your own rent. Wondering why your lights are cut off because you took bread, not seed. You took bread and you sowed that bread when you should have been keeping that bread to sustain your own life. All right. So you got to understand and hear God when he says no. All right. Even when it comes down to you wanting to buy something for yourself, there was something uh, I wanted to buy. Oh, I wanted to buy a, a new MacBook because mine was kind of slow. And God says no. And, and I actually had to stop going to the site because I was like, because, you know, God said no. Like, I still look right. That's how you set yourself up. And so he's like, no. But I'll go look. And I'm like, man, they got a really good deal on that now. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. And I just had to say, you know what, Ralph, if you keep looking, you're going to end up disobeying God. So I just stopped looking. And needless to say, probably a little while later, uh, a few things happened. And uh, I got a brand new uh, MacBook. Didn't, didn't pay for it. Uh, it was free to me. But had I just disobeyed God, I would have brought something that he was trying to get to me for free. But and that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes you find yourself broke because practically you are not doing what you're not sowing where God says so, number one, but you're also giving what you're not supposed to be given. Now that'll preach, especially to a lot of black families, because somehow in, in the black community, sometimes we feel like just because we had we have, we're now obligated to help everybody else. 
who doesn't have. But if all I ever do is take what my exit, what's in my excess, I take what I have in overflow, and I'm always giving it to somebody else. And when God has not instructed me to do that, then God is not obligated to bring me harvest off things that he has not told me to sow. So now I find myself in a situation where I am now depending on FOC, Pastor and Pastor Sean, can y'all help me pay my rent this month? Can you help me pay my utilities this month? Can you help me pay my car note this month so I don't get my car repossessed? Pastor, can you help me do this? Because I did something with the money that God told me not to do with it. And, and, and that's just, that's disobedience the same way as God telling you to sow and you not sowing. God's no is always to prosper you. His no is, and I'm not sure why I'm sticking on it because some of y'all are doing that. Like, I, I, I know that in my spirit. You, you're doing things with your money that you know God has asked you to stop doing, but now you're expecting God, and, and it could even be godly things, right? I'm not even talking about you going to the to, to the casino or you out there buying stuff like cra doing crazy. I'm saying you out there trying to help other people, but you ain't in a position to help them because God ain't instructed you to do it. And then you always need somebody to rescue you because you're always trying to rescue other people. Put on your own life jacket. When the mask come down in the plane, when the plane comes going down, what do they tell you to do? Put on your own mask. You out there trying to help everybody else and you suffocating. You're suffocating. Why? Because you're being disobedient to God. And it doesn't matter if they don't like you. It doesn't matter if they think you're, you're stingy. I can tell you the things that I know my family has said about me because they like, look at Raph and April with them jobs. They got good jobs. They live in a decent house, blah, blah, blah. They won't. I don't care. I don't. Because at the end of the day, and it took me, I ain't going to say I got there overnight. It took me a while because at the end of the day, it ain't my money to be the judge over. So if you don't like me because I didn't give because you, and your lights got cut off, baby, I'm sorry. Just don't like me. If you, if you don't like me because I didn't sew because of whatever, then baby, just don't like me. But our, our, our desire to have everybody like us, our desire to have the opinions of men to be in our favor can't cause us to be disobedient to God. They can't cause us to be disobedient to God. I refuse to disobey God for another man's approval. I refuse to disobey God to seek another man's approval. I'm going to say it one more time. I refuse to disobey God in an attempt to seek another man's approval. Why? Because at the end of the day, they, don't, they can't rescue you. At, in the, at the end of the day, they ain't the one that's going to see you through. At the end of the day, they, they have no heaven or hell to put you in. And at the end of the day, let, let me really talk. We ain't going to get the point six. We're going to end right here. Uh, because because I, I, I feel like we got to help some people. Because what you're doing is not okay. It's not okay for the body. So, so we're all supposed to contribute to the body. But you out there living your 
any type of way you want to live, doing anything you want with your money, then you're, and I don't do, let me, let me preface this. I don't do anything with the finances. I don't know what anybody's, the benevolence or anything like that. Okay. I don't know. So I don't, if this is you and you feel uh, convicted, well, that's just Holy Spirit. Cause I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is this, you out there doing what you want to do with your money, then running to the church, whether that's FOC or your home church, wanting to be rescued because you mismanaged your own funds. That is not fair to the kingdom. That is not fair to the kingdom. That is not fair to the kingdom. Why? How is that not fair? Because you had an opportunity to hear God. It is not fair to go out there and to live any type of way you want to live and then expect to be rescued by the church. That's what's wrong with society now. They expect the church to come through and rescue them out of every single situation that they put themselves in. And that's crooked. That is wrong thinking. God is not obligated to rescue you out of situations that you put yourself in. God is obligated to answer and respond to faith. God is obligated to answer and to respond to faith. That's what God's obligated to do. And so as a partner of FOC, I not only I'm a good steward over my money and I give to the ministry and I do those things because God directed me to do those things. But also I understand that it is my job to contribute to the kingdom. It's my job to promote the kingdom. And so if I'm out here taking my check and going to do things with it that I shouldn't do and then asking the ministry to bail me out, that's not fair because there's other there's other people out there that need money. And we wonder why, and, and we're just talking about it, we wonder why people in the world think the church is powerless and things like that because the church a lot of times is so broke because the people in the church aren't doing what they need to do to have their money grow so that they may give into the ministry and the ministry may do the work of the kingdom. Because... Here's the thing. Okay, okay. A lot, it's because you're selfish and you're fatherless. I ain't gonna use the word that came to my mind, but you're selfish and you're fatherless. You come to God, you come to church, but he ain't really, no, I didn't freeze. I was trying to, <laughs> I, I, I was trying to get my wording right because what came to mind, I, I, yeah, you're selfish, fatherless, right? You, you're, you, you lack a daddy because you came and you, what you came to get was salvation, but you never accepted the Lord. And so what you're doing is you're wanting the benefits of the kingdom without ever sacrificing your life. You want the benefits, see, you want to belong to the club. Yeah, I tell you, that's the word I was going to use. But I, yeah, I didn't use it though. Uh, you you you, uh, you want to belong to the club, but you don't want to pay the dues. What's the dues? It, daily, I take up my cross and I follow him. I submit to his will. I take on his mind. I seek after his kingdom. So you don't want that, but then you want everything else that the kingdom has to offer. You're selfish and you're fatherless. 
You wanting all the benefits without any sacrifice. Courtney nailed it. Yeah, that I mean that was the word, Tanya. That's the word. And, and, and for y'all, I go ahead and say it because that's the truth. You're selfish bastards. That's what it is, right? That's what it is. Because you can't live in the kingdom and you can't want the kingdom to take care of you without participating in what the kingdom calls you to participate in. You can't do that. That's, that, that's, that's just not it. That's just not it. And and I, and I love you. And, and I want you to understand that the, 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 the church has so deceived us into thinking that just church attendance alone would get us the best that God has to offer. That's a lie. I saw people go to church all my life and they broke and they're disgusted. They're depressed. They, they, their marriages suck. Their kids are, that's, why? Because they're selfish. They never surrender. They never surrender. And so if you think that just coming to Wednesday night Bible study, if you think that hearing Pastor Chris praise and worship, if you think that hearing mom and dad teach on Sunday mornings is going to set you free without application to the word, the devil has you deceived. Why? Because it's just not possible. Because God doesn't respond to your hopes. God doesn't respond to your wishes. God responds to his covenant. And part of the covenant for Abraham was that he was supposed to bless all of humanity. That's what he was supposed to do. And so God is out here bringing you up to a new living. You got a new car, but you won't even go pick nobody up in it. You got a new house, but you won't even let nobody stay in your guest room. You got more money than you got month, but you can't even buy anybody groceries. You're doing everything that you want. And the Bible tells us that, Dietrich, that's good. God can't be manipulated. The Bible says that God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And see, you're, you think that you're getting ahead, but baby, you can work hard enough in the earth to get some things. You can work hard enough in the earth to be promoted in your job and make a six-digit salary. You can work hard enough in the earth to, to maybe have a marriage that's okay. But there comes a time, there is a problem, there is a situation, there is a sickness, there is an ailment that no matter the work that you do in your flesh, that it'll bring you through. That only thing that's going to rescue you is, a, is, is God, is Jesus, is the kingdom. And you're going to find yourself crawling to God and not having the faith to believe for the thing that you need to overcome come because you didn't think it was important. Why? Because you just got an extra job to do what you wanted. Instead of believing God and doing things God's way, you just went and got an extra job. You just worked a little overtime. You never sought God. You did it your own way. And so that is not the way that we live. And so quit being a saved parasite. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to go to heaven. Right. You're going to go to heaven. But right now, on Earth, you're parasitic. All you're doing is taking from the kingdom. And that is not the lot. That is not how God set things up. He has established number three. Pastor Evan told us bless humanity through us, not not for us to be blessed through humanity. That's not God blesses us and we bless humanity. Not God 
And see, here's the thing. If you get more out of receiving than you get out of giving, then you're that, that's a parasitic uh, litmus test right there. That, that's a, that, that's that's a sign that you may be parasitic. That's a sign that may that you may be a muncher. That's a if in the situation you're always looking to be the one received. That is a sign that you lack maturity in the kingdom. That you're immature. Why? Because the Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. When he gave Adam Abraham that word, he says, "I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to do all these things to you." Why? So that you, so that the families of earth may be blessed through you. But if you running around, if, I just said, if you at dinner and you always going to dinner with the expect, expectation for somebody else to pay for you, you parasitic. If if every time somebody has a gathering at the house and you come and you eat the food, but you ain't trying to contribute, even though they didn't ask, you parasitic. But they didn't ask me to give anything. You still parasitic. You just taking. And that is not the mindset of kingdom people. Why? Because as a kingdom person, no matter the situation I walk in, I mean, the situation I walk in, I'm always called to make it better, which which is number six. And y'all just hang in with me. You called to be a difference maker. Right, Nietzsche? I love that. Let, let me put that on. I got to go back. You walking in those situations and calling it a blessing. You like, oh, Lord. Oh, I got my dinner paid for. Bless Lord. Oh, I went to uh, this concert and, and uh, I got my tickets paid for. Bless the Lord. That ain't no blessing. They are the ones getting the blessing. They're getting the blessing. You just got a concert. You just got a meal. There is no harvest in that for you. They're going to keep getting a harvest because they sow the seed. You got a meal, baby. That's finite. You got a concert. That's finite. You know what I'm saying? That's a terminating end to that. And that's why God said you're more blessed to give. Why? Because when I sow a seed, my seed will bring me perpetual harvest. I don't got time to talk about it, but you can run over there to 2 Kings. You can talk about the woman who built the room for the man of God, right? She got a son. She got a son raised from the dead. Um, there was there was famine. She came back. She got an audience with the king. She got everything restored as if for the seven years of famine existed. She got it all back, all from one seed. The blessing is in giving, not receiving. And so, but when I receive some, when I do get something, I'm always looking like God. Okay, how much of this is bread? How much of this is seed? How much of this is bread? How much is this a seed? Why? Because that's how I become number six, a difference maker. You are not born simply to exist. Your purpose is not just to work, raise kids, and be a good spouse. You have a God-given purpose, and the earth needs you. You got a God-given purpose, and the earth needs you. He, the earth needs you to rise up, arise and shine. The earth needs you to take your rightful place as authoritative. Your rightful place as leader, your rightful place, rightful place as a giver. The earth needs you. You got a God-given purpose. The Bible says that before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And before you came out of the room, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. He says, 
I knew you before conception. Did you get that? God says, before I formed you in the belly, before you were ever in your mama's womb, before uh, we got grown folks, before penis ever met vagina, before there was ever any intimacy whatsoever, God said, I knew you, right? Then he says it again. He says, before I came forth out of the room, I sanctified thee, right? He says, I knew thee. Your existence is not on accident. You're, you have purpose. What's that purpose? That purpose is to promote the kingdom. That purpose is to bless humanity. Your presence is an indication that you are a solution to problems that kingdom needs solved. The fact that you breathe in, Courtney, Kristen, Clarissa, Shavandra, Bianca, the fact that you're breathing is an indication that you are the solution to a problem that the kingdom needs solved. You ain't a waste of skin and flesh. You are the solution to a problem that the kingdom needs solved. But the enemy has duped you into thinking that you just you. That what do I have to contribute? That I'm just going to be a receiver. I'm just going to go to church. I'm going to sing my songs and I'm going to get what I can get. No, baby, you have been called to be the solution. You are it. But you out here looking for a solution when you are the solution. Why? Because you've been called to meet the needs of others, but you out here always trying to get your need met. And that's why the world is still waiting for the manifestations of the Son and earnest expectation for the manifestations of the sons of God, because we have not taken our rightful place as solutions. We are out here living just like the world. We're out here looking to benefit instead of looking to be the beneficiary, the, uh, be the one that, that causes benefits to come onto other people. Amen. So you are created to meet a need. It doesn't matter if you don't know what the need is yet. All right. Don't let the fact that you don't even know what the need is yet just tell you you are created to meet a need. It doesn't matter if you wonder how you're going to help somebody. You are created to meet a need. It doesn't matter if you wonder how you can help them and when you can't help them. You are created to meet a need. It doesn't matter if you can't see your potential as a different maker because God can see it. Why? Because you are created to meet a need. It doesn't matter if you can't see it. You are created to meet a need. God is pleased with you. Galatians 1 and 15 says, but when he who had chosen and set me apart, put your name there, but when he, when God who had chosen and set Shavandra, who had chosen and set Kristen, who had chosen and set Pastor Sean, who had chosen and set Ralph apart before I was born and had called me by his grace, his undeserved favor and blessing, saw fit and was pleased. You running around here, thinking God ain't happy with you. The Bible says that he is pleased with you. Why? How do I know God's pleased with me? The fact that I'm here, I'm, he created me. He's pleased. Now go walk into your rightful stature and you go sow the seeds that God said so. You don't sow the seeds that he told you not to sow and you become the difference maker that he has called you to be. That's what we need. And you stop being a parasitic Christian Christian taken for the kingdom and you become the one who contributes. And some of y'all may be thinking, well, man, Lord, I had to get help from the church. Baby, we all had to get help at some point. Me included. 
All right. We have all had to get help at some point. So don't feel bad about needing help, but just get to the point. It's like, I won't be here next year. This is my last time needing help. Well, how can I declare that? Because by faith, the Bible says that I'll be able to give to every good work and charitable donation. So God, I thank you that I, what seed do I need to sow right now tonight, God, in agreement. This is the last time I will need help from, from the ministry. This is the last time that I will need to be rescued. Why? Because the Lord will see me through. My bank accounts will overflow. My peace will over. This is the last time that I have to call somebody needing help to walk me through the same situation that I've been walked through 70 other times. This is the last time that I go fool with a dude that God has told me not to fool with. This is the last time that I go spend another dollar on dope, on alcohol or whatever it is. This is the last time. Why? Because my deliverance is now. It's the last time. Why? Because I know what my plan, I know the thoughts and the plans that he has towards me to prosper me and give me expected end. And right now, what I'm doing is not what he is expected for me to do. Why? Because I can't be a difference maker out here doing all those things. And I refuse to be a parasite. Some of y'all need to say that. I refuse to be a parasite. My days of parasitic living are over. I am a giver. And because I am a giver, I am always harvesting. I am a giver. And because I'm a giver, I'm always harvesting. I am not distracted about by what my bank account says. I, every time I go back to my bank account, I always declare that there's enough. Every time I need, because that's what the Lord told me. He told me, he said, Ralph, in this time, you're going to be sowing a lot. He says, it's going to look like there is not a lot in your physical account. He says, but son, don't be distracted. Every time you go back, you'll always have enough to supply the need that you have in front of you. So, and, and it's true. My, my, my savings in the natural appear to be lower than what they normally are. At. But every time I go back, like the widow woman with the cake and the oil, every time I go, there's always enough to give into everything that God has told me to give to. So I thank you, God, that I'm not distracted by what I see in the natural. Every time. Why? Because a long time ago, me and April made a decision that it was our last time. It was our last time needing this and we not being able to do it. It was my last time that somebody in the ministry needed something. And I wasn't at least able to sow something towards it. It was my last time seeing that somebody had a need and then I can fulfill the need all on my own. It was my last time. And, and, and like what, what, what they posted, sometimes what you got to re realize, you don't need it until you need it. And so you thinking that you can't have a house because you don't got house money today. That's your because you lack faith. I don't need house money today to have a house. All I need today is to know the fact that God gave me a house. So God, I thank you that the house belongs to me. And, and like Pastor Chris said on last night, God, I remember. I remember. And this is how you know God will give you the house because he spared your life. This is how you know God will give you the house because you paid your rent. This is how you know God will give you a house because he made sure you had bread to eat. This is how you know God will give you a house because he saw your safe travels through the road. Every time God did something for you, it confirms the fact that he'll do it again. Because to God, there is no difference in feeding you a meal at McDonald's and buying you a house. To God, there is no difference in making sure you have bread to eat, something to drink, and clothes on your back, and you having more than enough in your savings account. To God, there's no difference. All he knows is how to take care of his children. That's all he knows how to do. And he'll do it again.
So I love y'all. We're at an hour, 18 minutes. So I love you. He that spared not his own son, but lifted him up for us all. How shall he not with him also do what? Freely give us all things. Don't let the devil try to trick you into thinking that God don't want to do it for you. That's a lie. He, God wants to do it for you. He wants to do it for you. And, may, and next week, I'll I, I pray in that Holy Spirit. We're going to come back and talk about the art of forgiveness. Or the art of forgetting and how God has chosen to forget our sin, our, our iniquities and all those things. And he's chosen to forget those things so that what? So that he can freely give us all things. You run around here depressed and sad and condemned thinking about the sin that you did last week and God don't even remember that. Why? Because if he remembered that, it will cause him to be in, it will cause him not to be able to fulfill his covenant. And God said that he will not abandon his covenant and that he does things to establish his covenant. And he swore by himself that he will not lie. So he has to forget all of that stuff so that he could continue to be good for us. So you need to let those things go yourself and receive what God has for your life. Amen. He's the God of the washing and dryer. He is. So you guys, y'all need to give. Go ahead and give. Put the giving stuff up so we get out of here. Uh, and we got multiple ways to give. You can give via push pay, tidally, text to give, PayPal, or focchurchnwa at gmail.com, right? If you're a first-time visitor, once again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, uh, if you want to become a partner, visit the virtual partnership link. Partnership has its privileges. We pray for you daily. Our intercessory team are praying for everybody. Partnership has its privileges. And we don't think that you can come to every service uh, that we have online and in person. But until you say that you are a partner with us, then we just think that you like us and being around. So you got to let us know that we go together. So make sure you join us and become a partner. Make sure that you give. Make sure that you sow into the scholarship fund. And then if you got a team, make sure that they join us tomorrow for uh, Ignite uh, via Zoom. And on-demand lesson, uh, make sure that you go and get, uh, take advantage of that. And then Friday, join us back at 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time for Champion Circle. Then Saturday, kick it with your peoples, have a good time. And then Sunday morning at 9.30, Pastor Chris and Elder Valley will be here for worship. Oh, sorry, at 9 o'clock, Elder Valley and Pastor Chris will have worship. And then at 9.30, we will have Sunday celebration, okay? Uh, all right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Once again, guys, some of y'all, this is your last time being a muncher. It's your last time being a parasite. I am looking forward to, and here's the thing. You may not be able to pay for everybody's dinner when you go out. You may not be able to pay for everything, but ask God for opportunities. And this is why I remember doing this in college. Ask God, God, I want to be the man. So God, give me opportunities to grow up. And it may just be a dollar here or two dollars there. But before you know it, baby, yo, you will have way more money than you have months. And I am a living testimony of living off refund checks in college and, and so and tithing off refund checks and tithing off everything that I had then and now being able to live a pretty darn great life. But I am nowhere close to where God wants me to be. Why? Because. I got a lot more sewing to do. There's a lot more people need to be blessed. And I am the solution that they are looking for. So you guys be blessed. Have a great night. I will see you guys. Some of y'all at 
kids on Ignite Thursday, and then I'll see everybody else Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. Thanks so much. Be blessed.